This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. This is the Cubs-related podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan and Brendan, as we sit and record this, we are exactly one week from opening day in Texas, the Chicago Cubs and the Texas Rangers. You guys listening to this on Friday morning, so less than a week, but nonetheless, Brendan, it's we're, we're getting there. It's exciting. I'm ready to go. I was on uh, Reddit today, and I was reminded because they do they do those like you know player jersey number things. Number seven was Todd Walker. Not to like go off the rails here, but I loved Todd Walker back back in the day. So it is officially Todd Walker many days away from opening today, Corey. Wow, snubbing Mark DeRosa. Ooh, he was number seven. You're right. Who would you rather take, DeRosa or uh, Todd Walker? I, I don't know. I don't really one. feel like thinking about either of them, really, to be honest really? with you. I like both of them. I, I think I would no, rather, I do like, too. But it's uh, you know, it's like I don't know. We've we've moved on, haven't we? We never move on, Corey. <laughs> yeah. I, <at> least, <laughs> I never move on. So I'd rather take Todd Walker. Just you know, throw it in there. But okay, continue. I think that's fair. Um, Todd Walker doesn't you know have like a bad presence on the MLB network, so he gets bonus points for that. Whoa, you think you think DeRosa does? I'm not a big fan of it. The the, the shtick, no. You you know like. I, I go back and forth. Like, I like it some days, some days I don't. But I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, anyway, uh, a little off the rails there. We're talking about mid-2000s uh, Cubs second basements. But getting back to the 2019 group, uh, an interesting few days since we last spoke, Brendan. And I think that the first thing to address is that uh, in his start on Tuesday, Yu Darvish throws four and two-thirds, allows five hits, one earned run, two walks, and six strikeouts. So it was another good-looking start for you. The velo was there. The whiffs were there, looking uh, very good. However, uh, he leaves this game with a blister on uh, one of his fingers. Now, there was, when I say there was widespread panic for those, like, I think it was like maybe 15 to 30 minutes between him coming off the mound and us getting definitive word it was a blister. Everybody that was there said it looked like they were looking at his hand, didn't look like anything serious. Demeanor of everybody was pretty good. Um, our guy, John Felice out in Arizona from CubsInsider.com had a good picture. And, you know, like Wilson looks like he's smiling. So everything was was kind of like, 
okay, I don't think we should be super worried. But then we're also getting, you know, some of the tweets from the beat writers that literally, I think Mark Gonzalez, the Chicago Tribune, literally just tweeted, Darvish receiving medical attention, which like, he did, you know, that is like code red, it's happening, everybody, I nearly passed out, man, your battle stations type of a, a tweet. But after the game, we hear it's just a blister. He has been throwing since then. Again, this happening on Tuesday. He has played catch. He has thrown since then. So by all accounts, you know, look, blisters are annoying for pitchers. We've seen uh, some pitchers, uh, some prominent pitchers, I think Rich Hill being one who comes to mind that, you know, this stuff just pops up routinely for them. And, you know, you yeah. you need to deal with it and get it cured up because uh, one of the things that happens is you start to compensate for where the blister is and where you're placing your fingers and grips and stuff like that. So it's not a serious injury, but it's one that can kind of derail your your plans and your schedule here. But by all you know accounts, everything is good with you. He said after the game, I will be 100% for my next start. So things appear to be uh, on the right track, though this was really scary. But Brendan, what I have to ask you, and this, oddly enough, we were talking about some guys that were on mid-2000s Chicago Cubs teams. This quote from Darvish after the game is going to remind you of a certain member of those teams. Uh, I'll let you guys guess who that is after I read the quote. Uh, But this from Sadev Sharma of The Athletic. Here is the exact quote from Darvish. Quote, a lot of guys told me, I'm not sure I can say it here, just pee on it. Well, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or what. A beat writer asks him, so are you going to pee on it? <laughs> Darvish, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to. And later uh, saying that they were going to opt for lasers and an ointment instead. So, Brendan, my question to you, the world wants to know, if you were you, Darvish, and you needed to get out there for your next start, um, are you are you peeing on your blisters? Are you opting for the, the laser treatment like you has gone with here? I'm, I'm bathing in my own urine, Corey. I will do anything. If I'm... If- Look, first off, too, I would send my own urine to, to Darvish for that to happen. But I would do anything to get back on the field. I, if that means dipping my hand in urine, then so be it. I mean, look, Moises Alou, he had an illustrious Chicago Cubs career. The guy never missed any games. I'm not saying that's why he, that's why he never missed games. But you know what? That's just facts, Corey. Well, there you go. I think this is all how you guys expected this podcast to be going, uh, you know, for us to be having this discussion. So, uh, yeah, I, I I, don't know about that. I'm going to trust Darvish It's not here. that bad. Like, it's not like, it's really not that bad. I just think it I'm was funny that he it. obviously had not heard of this before. So, like, can you imagine, like, to some of these guys, like, when we hear this, because we grew up with Moises Alou, everybody knows about that. So it's like kind of normal. It's like just like one of those weird like baseball things. But like it seems like you was not familiar with this concept. <laughs> Can you imagine like the reaction of like when somebody brings that up? Like, oh yeah, dude, that's all you got to do. Like what? <laughs> like, He's like these are they playing a prank Americans. on me or like what's going on here? <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna trust uh, the 
laser and and whatever they're they're opting with and an update again we're recording this on thursday night jordan bastion of mlb.com tweeting madden said darvish is scheduled for a bullpen on friday they have not decided minor league or mlb start for him sunday but controlled minor setting makes a lot of sense. So that is kind of the uh, most recent update. Obviously, if you guys are listening to this on Friday, possible he's already thrown this bullpen and we'll get more information. But the important thing to note, uh, whether we're talking lasers or urine, is that this does not seem to be anything of concern. He's on his regular schedule and things are moving forward. We can kind of uh, not freak out about this so much. And I will add, just because we've talked about this before, you do see it. And and Jordan's mentions, uh, maybe just because he's on Cubs.com, I don't know. We're particularly the worst on this. Um, But pitchers get blisters, folks. I saw plenty of comments from people about you, like, oh, here we go again with this guy, this guy's about made me. of glass, yada, yada. Please don't do that, okay? Like, pitchers get blisters. This is a thing that happens to almost every single pitcher, probably every single player in baseball at some point during the year, during their career, whatever. Blisters happen. This has nothing to do with you, Darvish, specifically. So if anything, Corey, if anything, that's a positive sign that he got a blister just because he's been throwing so much. He's not being restricted. I don't know. I'm just thinking outside the box here and trying to turn this into a silver lining. But you have to get a blister if you're throwing yeah, the I mean, baseball means a lot. you're playing baseball. Yeah. That like means you're it, playing yeah, baseball. It means you're out there getting your work in. So yeah, Absolutely. don't turn this into anything about him like please it's it's not necessary and it's not right either it's just like an incorrect way of looking at things Blisters can i ask happen. you a question though so when yes. when you got that text from john Ferlise that darvish yeah. was receiving medical attention what was your first thought like give like put me in your mind Corey. what were you thinking yeah so just for a bit of context john is our guy if you follow uh the cubs insider twitter account which is at real cubs insider all those like firsthand videos we get from spring training and stuff are from John because he lives in Arizona and goes to all the games. And I think I've said this before, has way more patience than me to, uh, you know, keep his camera out during Dude, the I can't even do it for like three pitches. I know. I really yeah. Can't. I, well, and like today he had the Almora home run, but somebody walked in front of him. I would be like losing my mind at people. So <laughs> he's got more patience than me. But yeah. So he and I are usually in contact during these spring training games because he's sending stuff for me to post, photos, videos, et cetera. And he literally just texts me and says, uh, something happened with Darvish, trainers are out. And so that's what Brendan is asking about. Honestly, my first reaction was, because I think John is not sitting close enough to necessarily have been able to see that they were looking at his finger Um, because some of the beat writers seemed to know right away that it was probably a blister. Um, My first reaction was like disappointment for Darvish. Obviously not knowing what it was, but whatever it was, I was just like, man, like this, he's in the middle of a really good start today. He's had a really good looking spring. Like, please don't do this to this guy. Like, just let him be healthy like, and if we get through the year and he's, you know, doesn't perform well, whatever, but like, just let him be healthy. Like, don't do this to him a week before we break camp. That was my first reaction. My first reaction was, oh my God, the season's over. Yeah. I, I, 
and uh, I'm not really exaggerating either. An injury of that magnitude has the potential to really put me under for at least a week. So uh, if John sent me that tweet and I did not see any other, or sent me that text and I did not see any other tweets from any of the beat writers, I I would I would be completely depressed, Corey. That's so definitely I'm, one of those like. Uh, you know, hey, can somebody check on Brendan kind of moments. Uh, yeah. Ugh. So thank God. But you know what? It looks like is like he's going to be fine, like you were saying, and it, it, it could have been worse. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I mean, look, like worst case scenario when you're talking about a blister is they need to wait for it to heal up so that he can properly grip and, you know, throw his pitches. And, you know, sometimes that takes uh, longer than you'd like it to. But other than that, like that's basically what you're dealing with. So I will say though, I, I I just want to add to this that laser thing. I've had the laser thing done on my finger. That's a wild little process there. So it's kind of like this new high tech thing where it hardens the skin up. Um, I don't know if that would have helped Carrie Wood back in the day. Remember when Carrie Wood had that blister that kept him out for I think like a month or a month and a half. I want to say in 2008 or 2009. Um, that stuff is wild. So. Just, you know, just throwing it out there that the modern technology, good thing the Cubs are using it. And even uh, though you said before you would opt for your own urine. Well, I will do whatever it takes. Lasers, urine, <laughs> okay. uh, just fecal making matter sure. if, it, if I need to. I, you know, I'm a gamer, dude. I will go out there. Right. I will do what it takes. Right. Yes. Uh, anyway. Other news, we have some NL Central tidbits for you. So I think that that's uh, the first place to go. We'll update on everything else that we've seen um, from spring training over these last few days. Um, We'll update on Brandon Morrow. That was kind of one of those things we left you on. Uh, Everything is good there is the spoiler alert. But I want to talk about some, some NL Central news and how it relates to the Chicago Cubs. As you guys may or may not know, this is the Cubs-related podcast. So things that happen in the NL Central, technically Cubs-related by the definition of the concept. Um, The first is that I don't think we have an official this is done yet on this as we are coming to you on Thursday night. Uh, But the reports are from Ken Rosenthal that Paul Goldschmidt and the St. Louis Cardinals uh, are close or nearing an agreement, something along those lines, uh, on a five-year extension with the St. Louis Cardinals. Remember when they traded for him, it was only for this year. So this would be a five-year extension to be around $130 million total, no opt-outs, full no trade clause. So that is uh, the first little bit of news. And it comes in a time where we've seen a few of these extensions. Alex Bregman uh, getting an extension, Eloy Jimenez with the White Sox, who as a reminder has not ever played a Major League Baseball game, getting an extension uh, amongst others. So this is uh, something that is, is happening in the world. And it it begs the question, Brendan, uh, when are we going to see or are we going to see extensions like this with anyone on this current roster? And I think I mentioned either on the last podcast or when you and I were just talking beforehand that in one of his many media rounds uh, that he did this offseason, Tom Ricketts pointed to the baseball budget and that we have guys we need to pay going forward. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it was something to that effect, that we have 
you know, money that we need to allocate to our own talent as we go forward uh, in the years here. So uh, my, my, my first question to you is, do you, do you expect any of this? Uh, and the second is, who are you looking to lock up? When would you be doing it? What kind of money would you be throwing at them? Um, and, and, you know, kind of what your, your mindset is on this. And, and just for a, a small bit of context, we, and, you know, they maybe wouldn't necessarily say anything different, but we do still have them on record as saying this. Uh, Anthony Rizzo talking a few weeks ago about wanting to be a Cub for the rest of his career. Chris Bryant uh, this week talking about how it would be a dream to be a Cub for his whole career. Uh, So we have heard some of these guys talk about it, but at the same time, Chris says that he has not heard anything about this going on right now. Mm -hmm. So where are we here, Brendan? This is a tricky situation just because the Cubs' current payroll projections are so low. And what I mean by that is they they have everyone basically under arbitration right now. So it's hard to predict who's going to get paid a certain amount because that's so dependent upon their current success. So if like Ian Happ comes out next year, tears it up, he's going to get a lot more money, maybe five, six million dollars more. And that base will carry him over for the next few years. So it's hard to predict but if I'm just going under the mindset that that you know I'm excluding the future payroll projections, of course you got to lock up KB, right? And in terms of what type of money that KB would have to request to get that done, you give him a blank check, a complete blank check. If it's 300 million, if it's the Arenado deal, you do it. It's just one of those things that for at least Chris Bryant, his age curve is going to be so small because he does so many things well. And when he first was called up, he had that gaping hole where he struck out consistently. And that's basically been completely mitigated. Chris Bryant has normal holes. He makes more contact than a league average player. He combines that with well above league average power. And he basically plays every position in the league. So when he ages, he's not going to have to rely on that excessive power. He can rely on just being who he is. He's a guy who makes a lot of contact. He sees a lot of pitches. He has a lot of power. He's fast. That's someone who you want to lock up. And I know there's been so many different bad deals in recent memory, especially for upwards to 10 years. A lot of people reference the Albert Pujols deal. Some even mentioned the Alfonso Soriano deal when he was with the Cubs, even though that turned out pretty well for the Cubs, believe it or not. Regardless, Chris Bryant, you give him a blank check. Um, as far as the other guys go, it's like they're not in a place for negotiation, right? Like you look at uh, you look at Kyle Schwarber, you look at even if you want to go lower down on the arb list, you look at someone like Ian Happ and Wilson Contreras. They're in no room to negotiate an extension right now. And if you're looking at that from a Cubs perspective, maybe you also want to see what these guys will do in just this year, for example, to see if they can adapt and overcome, at least for Contreras, that down power year. So overall, I think immediately the Chris Bryant thing is a no-brainer. He's going to age well. You give him a blank check and you see what happens. For the other guys, yeah, like and, and this is no knock against Javi either, but maybe just wait one more year with Javi. He won't be a free agent until 2022. Um, 
and so I think that's I think that's fair. I don't know. I, I feel dirty saying like, hey, we can't give Javi an extension right now. But I I don't know. Am I crazy? I I, I still think I want to see one more year from Javi. Well, I think it's yeah, and I mean also like obviously this is peak negotiating point for Javi and his camp. Yeah, so exactly. I, I would understand. Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and part of the thing to remember is I know people are getting kind of restless with, with stuff like this, especially after the Cubs didn't do much to, uh, you know, add new players, obviously, you know, uh, many expecting someone like Bryce Harper to be in the mix, potentially. Um, so I know that people are getting kind of anxious about this, but it, I, I understand why they're not necessarily addressing this now. Um, you know, well, they, uh, addressing Chris Bryant's well, contract? just just all of them, whoever you would be considering in the really? first. You're place. not surprised they're not addressing KB's deal. I mean, like he's going to be up in two years. Well, no, K- like, I'm KB. I'm just saying in general, like they have a good amount of money coming off the books at the end of the year, and they yeah. have committed to seeing what this group can do for another year. So, like it 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 doesn't necessarily shock me I guess that I get it you know that they might want to just get through this year see where things stand let all of that money off the books and kind of like redo their their plans from there um but KB in particular like you should just do that now like there's no (laughs) like there's no reason to be putting this off I, I I get it right like I I think I understand it but this guy needs to be a cub for life. If and and we're seeing these guys drop like flies, right? Like everybody was talking about how you know if you didn't get Machado or Bryce Harper this off season, Nolan Arenado was the big ticket next off season, or Mike Trout <laughs> yeah. when he was coming up. These guys are off the board, right? I yeah. I, I noticed that, and this is like so. <laughs> this is like such a microcosm of like the MLB's problem in laying out the guys that have agreed to extensions recently I literally forgot Mike Trout um <laughs> so you know that that seems uh representative of kind of how his marketing and all that other stuff goes within the MLB but yes Mike Trout did sign a, a record contract uh to stay with the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim much to the chagrin of everybody in Philadelphia but like just getting back to KB, you gotta lock this guy up. Like, if he plays in another uniform, Brendan, it will make me physically ill on a daily basis. It's just not something that can be allowed to happen. And looking at what we've heard from this offseason, I, I think I said this before when they said, you know, we're gonna we've we've got internal improvements that we're banking on, that we expect, yada yada. And I said, like, okay fine, but I'm going to hold you to all of this now, right? And if you say, we didn't spend big because we've got money we need to spend in the future, we got to lock up our own guys, then, hey, Tom, Chris Bryant better not play in another uniform, brother, okay? Like, (laughs) you're raising everybody's ticket prices every year. Like, I think Brendan and I in particular have been pretty calm about, like, what they did this offseason, even though this bullpen is like, you know, a, a... one of those like clown cars, right? Of just like, who else is going to come out of it? But if you're going to say that, if this is the language you're going to use, and this is kind of like the excuse, quote unquote, you're going to use, then these guys better be Cubs in the future, right? I don't want to hear about how we don't have money in two or three years. And then these guys are free agents. Cause like right now it's looking like they'd be the only free agents, Brendan, right? 
everybody else is getting locked up except the Cubs guys. So again, I I understand perhaps the potential logic of not doing it right now and kind of the end of this season being just an easier uh, vision to kind of see the future and like what the landscape is, money coming off, did this guy progress, did this guy regress, etc. But if that, it's got to get done. You have to keep your own guys if you're not going to be adding 26-year-old free agents when they come available and want to be a Chicago Cub. Like, that's the only way this is going to work. So, Would you extend Kyle Hendricks? He's due for free agency after the following season. I so think that the group I'm mostly focused on right now uh, would be Bryant, Baez, Hendricks, and Rizzo with... Wilson, I know his he's got more years, but just because he's a catcher, um, yeah, Wilson won't be a free agent until the uh, the twenty twenty two twenty twenty three offseason. Yeah, so my so my group is there. those top four, but Wilson kind of creeping back there just because I, I he I think he's um, a guy that would be nice to just have in the fold and and uh, you know reward for all that he's done. But he's one in particular, like, yeah, you'd like to see this season maybe a couple more just to see exactly what you've got right. there. But right. the the core group for me would be Hendricks, Rizzo, Bryant, Baez. Bryant, like, almost by a long you gotta shot. Give him, you got to give him, like, to close to Arenado money. Like, if that's if that's what it takes right now, that's a, that's a no-brainer. Just do it. But... Well, I mean, and buy like, the whole if you Boris intend thing, on keeping him, you had best not let him get to free agency because someone is going to like he at this point. Again, with how many of these guys are signing extensions and how many of these guys would be free agents anyway, like he's going to cost a boatload of money, and you do not want him to talk to Bryce Harper and Philadelphia, right? I don't know that he would want to go there. I don't know that he cares about it. Who knows, right? But you can't, you shouldn't let it happen because at the very least, it's going to drive your price up. So the best thing to do is look around the league, like you just said, look at Nolan Arenado and say, we're going to give him comparable money, more money, whatever you want to do. But that just has to happen, man. Yeah. And like for Chris Bryant, not to get too negative here, but he's a guy with a ton of confidence, justifiably so. He he deserves to have that much confidence. And of course, his agent, Scott Boris, you combine his agent, Chris Bryant's confidence. Bryant represents the Cubs and MLBPA. He knows his value, Corey. Yeah. And that that scares me. That's like that's great for Chris Bryant, of course. Like he knows what he needs to do, but from a Cubs fan perspective, that scares me because maybe he's willing to like bet on himself because he knows, hey, I'm going to be good every single year. If I get to free agency, my agent is telling me, I'm going to get you $400 million. Just hold off, do your thing, sit through arbitration. You're going to make 25, 30 million if you keep doing what you're doing, and then you're going to get your payday. That scares me, Corey. That scares me a lot. And so if that means, hey, the Cubs need to go out there and pony up and maybe overpay in the next few or two immediate years, pay more than what he would get in arbitration you like um, I have no idea and we're always behind the scenes in terms of the Cubs financial uh, uh, restrictions or whatever but that just seems like a no-brainer man I just it scares me in the back of my mind I know and I always thought this that Chris Bryant getting a free agency is not as unrealistic as maybe some people think 
it they better not let it happen i'm telling you like that's like mutiny level territory um and i yeah i mean i think that 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 core group those four uh bryant rizzo baez and Hendricks, would be where my immediate focus would be i i think you know i i i again this is in terms of a leverage standpoint the worst time to be talking to hobbies coming off literally almost winning the mvp um really getting toward that ceiling that everybody's always kind of envisioned for him but he's like so part of the heart and soul of this group right now that you know he's just one of those guys it's just like i he's part of this core like you gotta keep these guys but can i provide a let me let me provide a counterpoint to that though and tread carefully I know I'm I'm like literally treading right now, but I I just want to provide one counterpoint. And, and for Javi, the reason that I mentioned Chris Bryant and my comfortability giving him that contract was because of that age curve, right? And so if we look at Javi, guys who, one, have that hyper-aggressive approach and that lack of contact, he's able to provide value solely based on power, Right. So when Javi gets to 29, 30, 30 years old or 31 years old, those skills naturally diminish. So whereas Brian can fall back on his exceptional eye. I mean, think of Paul Goldschmidt, for example, right? Goldschmidt does everything well, and he's going to age well. Think of Joey Votto. Unfortunately, these are all essential first basemen, but you get the point. Brian will be one of those guys in that group. For Javi, he's not going to be in that group. He just... Unless he unless he keeps progressing, which is possible, which I think it's actually within the realm of possibility, but we just don't know for now. And so, if we're going to allocate money to extensions, and realistically, we're not going to extend everyone. Some of these guys are going to have to go because they will be too expensive and they will be older. So, if we're going to going to reserve money and pick a few guys. I, I'm going to give my money to, to Brian and hold off on Javi just for one more year. Just for give me one more year. Let me see Javi continue to improve his overall approach and get a better idea. But if we're, if we're using Chris Bryan's age curve as a, a, a solution or evidence to give him a contract extension, then we have to apply the same logic for Baez. And right now, he doesn't look like a guy that will age well, um, which hurts to say it. So... That that's that's where I am. I think for Javi, like yeah, I need one more year. Let's reevaluate going into twenty twenty. Yeah, I mean, look, I think like you give me one guy, I'm picking Bryant, no question. But yeah, look, I know what you're saying, but at a you know at a certain point, like these are your core players, and we've seen it's just not that easy to go out and and fill so many positions, uh, you know, via trade or via free agency necessarily. So I think, you know, at some point you kind of have to pick a group of guys that you're going to commit to. Um, And, you know, like Rizzo, when they signed him in the first place, uh, you know, he's on a very team-friendly contract when when he agreed to that deal with the Cubs. So, you know, look, I know he's uh, one of the older of the group, quote-unquote, even though he's not that old. Uh, but you know, he's just a guy again, like it would be really gross to, even though we have previously seen him in other uniforms, uh, see him in another uniform at this point. He's, you know, we, we, I don't think he's going anywhere. Yeah. I mean, everybody calls him the captain for a reason. Like he's just gotta, he's gotta stay a cub. You've already been getting many years of, of 
surplus value out of his contract with what you're paying him relative to the production that he provides. So I think he seems like an easy candidate to. He's an easy one. Yeah, he has the same get Joey towards Votto the difference type. there. Reward yeah. him for that. Reward him for yeah. everything that he's done for this team and what he embodies for this team. And I, you know, I think Hendricks comes to mind too because again, you know, he's on the younger side and the rotation is old. So at some point. You know, the, the, the system has some interesting names and some guys uh, who hopefully can make waves as we go towards the future here, but the Cubs don't really have guys who you're, you know, booking for the rotation uh, in, in the next year or two or three uh, that you're like 100% convicted in, in that. So I think, you know, Hendricks is someone who, uh, you know, he'll be a little older, but you know, I think you can feel comfortable that he'll be able to provide you with good value going forward. Uh, even, you know, if his velo diminishes going forward <laughs> here, like he's still someone who he's got the ability to change speeds. He's got the mind for it. You know, obviously if his velo goes down, I wouldn't expect him to produce seasons like he did in 2016, for example, but he should still be able to mix and match his pitches and speeds to be a productive member of the rotation. And I don't think he would command an insane contract right now. Yeah, I think Hendricks is kind of uh, kind of a no-brainer as well. I don't think he's going to command that crazy contract like you're mentioning, but and just to go along the same line with the whole age curve thing, like Rizzo strikes out at a 12% clip. That's basically the same clip as like Ben Zoberist, for example. And Rizzo mm-hmm. has 30 homer potential. So he's going to be on the same line with Joey Votto and Goldschmidt as guys who will age very nicely. So similar to KB, how about this? We just do one big contract for KB, one big contract for Rizzo, get them in front of the podium at the same conference, do the whole Rizzo thing, and lock it up for the next decade. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. Um but does that, does a hobby thing sound too negative to you? Honestly, like I feel like like I'm not. No, trying I mean to be I, negative I think here. I, again I think that this is one of those things that happens with us a lot. It's like in general you want to lock up hobby, but we're having an analytical discussion about it. So you're kind of like breaking down all the nuance. I think that's fair, but I, I think like the overall thing is we'd like Javi to be on the team but from the Cubs perspective you know you want to think about when you're giving that to him what type of contract to give to him and you know the answer isn't always just like yeah let's keep everybody right so no I I, I don't think so um I think I'm a little more comfortable with it than you seem at the moment but. it's just scary it just I mean look anytime someone swings at about like an 80% higher clip than an average player, like that That does scare me. Yeah, well, and I mean, again, too, it, like, it, it would also depend a lot on like what kind of terms are we talking here? Like what exactly is Javi and his group expecting or looking for? Like 180, 200 million over seven years. Something like that. So just under, like, like, a, tw- like a 26 to 28 uh, million annual average value for his like seven years. <laughs> You're thinking about it. <laughs> I am thinking about it. Well, it's a lot. I mean, that's a lot of that's money. That's a lot of money, man. Yeah, like I, I mean, like per- personally, personally, honestly, I wouldn't do that yet. I wouldn't do that yet. And I I don't know. It, you think that's that's really what he would be asking for right now? Y- yes, man. He just he's he plays second base shortstop. He just finished yeah. second place in the MVP voting. He's going to be what 26, 20 he's going to be 27. You get like yes. you definitely go into those meetings asking for at least an extra 5 mil just based on swag alone. 
I, <laughs> just a mar- a There's a market value for that, yeah. I'm serious about that. Yeah, so Javi will be, he just turned 26 three months ago. So if you extend him now, you lock up the next two years in, in, in arbitration, and that gives him about three to four years in, that you buy out from free agencies. So that would be the price tag, like something around 25 to $28 million per year. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I I'm on. I'm like fifty-fifty right now. Maybe if you catch me tomorrow, I will do that. But right now, I am concerned about that whiff rate. I just am. The Cubs need to lock up some of these guys. They don't necessarily have to do it this minute, but at some point, you have to make a decision between either signing and acquiring talent, and you know, building in that new core, or committing to the core that you have. And definitely the option is not to let all of these guys just run out their contracts and become free agents. Uh, So hopefully they start to have those discussions. Again, it sounds like they haven't really been having those discussions just yet, but it's got to happen with some of these guys. Uh, Again, Chris Bryant cannot play for another team. It can't be allowed to happen. I won't stand for it, and you shouldn't either. Uh, I will say, as we're recording, it's about 8 p.m. on uh, Thursday, excuse me, 10 p.m. in Chicago. I didn't mean to get all uh, Pacific time on you guys. But you, Darvish, providing an updated photo of his blister as we speak. Uh, I am not a doctor, Brendan, uh, and I don't play one on TV, but I it looks pretty good. Uh, so, you know, I've had blisters before as a human being. Uh, and this, you know, looks like uh, it's in the healing stage. Which so. finger is that? Is that his? Uh, looks like his ring finger? finger on his right hand. Yeah, it looks like his ring. Maybe? How does that even? How do you even get that? Like seriously, like how is he gripping? Is that from a changeup? I am so confused. I'm right now. not sure. I am so confused. But it looks pretty good. Is I think the moral of uh, the discussion here. So. Again, he has a bullpen uh, on Friday when you guys are listening to this, so hopefully that goes well. Uh, His finger looks crooked, too. Like, I wonder if he's okay. No, it doesn't. You're, it does. No, you, it no, looks it crooked. Um, yeah. But speaking of bullpens, I uh, wanted to talk, uh, at least just update, because we left you guys with uh, Brandon Morrow throwing uh, after we released the last podcast, and that went well. Uh, Morrow has thrown twice since we last spoke. He threw today on Thursday as well, and everything going well. He's not necessarily uh, the most outspoken player, uh, basically saying after both of them, I feel good, stuff came out good, everything is good. So uh, that's where we are with that. Again, the the plan was for him to miss uh, probably around the first month and get him back. So everything seems to be on track there. So that's about as good of news as I think you can hope for, I I, I would say. Um, the other thing that has come across the news desk as since we last recorded is the rumors that the Milwaukee Brewers are discussing things with Craig Kimbrell. And nothing official yet, nothing has happened, but Jeremy Jeffress already uh, will not be ready for opening day. He's been dealing with some stuff. I think they pulled him in the middle of a spring training game where his velo was way down uh, and council got concerned. And hearing today that Corey Kniebel will also uh, likely miss the beginning of the season, if not longer, uh, with a UCL issue that they are going to have to look into 
further. So when these reports first came out, the stuff with Kniebel hadn't come out yet. So it 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 kind of felt more like, oh man, are the Brewers just going to, you know, uh, pick the bones here of free agency and end up with another, you know, cheap contract like they did with Yasmani Grandal and just add another guy to this already really strong bullpen. As we record this, maybe feels a little bit more like they're feeling some pressure about the health of some of these guys and are maybe going to turn to Kimbrell. Uh, certainly, this report on Kniebel does not help their leverage in a uh, negotiation with Craig Kimbrell. Uh, but I guess just your general thoughts on on this report. The, the first thing, before I throw it to you, Brendan, is I asked this, I think after the Cardinals got Goldschmidt, maybe, because we talked about like with Yelich and then Grandal signing with the Brewers, please, everyone in the rest of the league that is not in the NL Central, who of course are listening to this podcast, stop letting these teams get these players on cheap deals. Please, why is nobody else talking to Craig Kimbrell? Please stop letting the Brewers and Cardinals pick up these these players for less than their market value. It really needs to stop at some point, Brendan. Uh, it scares me, man. I, I think Kimbrell going to Milwaukee and having like someone like Kniebel and Jeffries come back, you slot those guys in with, with Josh Hader, that scares me. That being said, though, I, I look at that Brewers team, and I am a homer. I'm a Cubs fan, of course. But you look at that team, and you can see ways where they don't have a lot of success because they relied so heavily on that bullpen last year. I mean, like, Jeffries was out of basically baseball when he went to Texas. He came back. He revived his career with Milwaukee last season. I don't know if he can repeat this year. And I think Milwaukee knows that too. Like, not to say that he won't or whatever, but when you're talking about reliability, I don't know if that's a really reliable figure. Same same thing with Kniebel. He had injuries last year. He lost his closer spot. He had an up and down year. I don't know if Milwaukee can rely on Kniebel as well. So then you're looking at Josh Hader, who had really one of the most historical seasons last year in terms of his ability to go multiple innings consistently and not be injured and do it on a consistent basis. So I, I think Milwaukee's looking at all of this and trying to kind of give them more of a safety net. And for Kimbrell right now, if his value is cheaper, that's that's a no-brainer for Milwaukee. That being said, right now they stand at, at $143 million committed. They're going to be well under the luxury tax. They did say, or there were reports at the offset on the onset of the offseason, that they were not going to spend. So if they go out and they get, you know, they get Mustakis back, they sign Grindall, to sign Kimberl on top of that, that might be too much if those reports are indeed true. So I, I, I don't know. I think at first, and you were talking to me about this, so maybe you kind of changed my mind. But when I heard Kimbrough to Milwaukee, I got a little freaked out. But Corey, I think you made some good points. Like, who knows if Josh Hader can repeat? And they already have bullpen issues to begin with. It's almost like kind of an indicator that maybe not everything in Milwaukee is so nice right now. Yeah, so it's it's hard to say exactly. But I, I think when this, this report first came out, I was... Uh 
uh, angry about it, to be honest with you, because it kind of felt like, you know, we've talked about the Cubs bullpen being uh, certainly not a sure thing at, at the very least. And, you know, I think we said from the beginning, I think it's always been a Cubs-related podcast policy not to spend on uh, high-priced relievers, uh, especially older ones. I'm breaking my rule, though, right now. Like, I, I said it last podcast, too. Like, I, I, I wouldn't do that, but, you know, th- th- this is kind of uh, high-stress times right now. Right, yeah. So it's, like, generally our policy not to do that, but the bullpen is obviously in a state of flux, as we've discussed a lot this off season. So you know, kind of like thinking like at least pick up the phone and talk to the guy. And, you know, then we're reading, now this is like a, a a double negative, except it doesn't turn into a positive, right? Like in the English language, like not only would you not get him to potentially bolster your bullpen and relieve some of the stress on, on guys like Steve Ciszek, et cetera, when, uh, you know, Brandon Morrow's out, et cetera. Now you have to deal with this guy, you know, what is it, 19 times a year, however many times they play the Brewers? Like, yeah, so now this is your problem to deal with. And if one day you got to deal with Hayter, the next day you might have to deal with Kimbrell. And I think I've said before that he kind of reminded me of Wade Davis a little bit last year and that his numbers in the second half were not great. His performance in the playoffs was sketchy at times. I think a lot about that Gary Sanchez ball that goes like just to the track in one of those games against the Yankees. Um, You know, he gave up some near bombs frequently, it looked like. So I I wasn't in love with him. But at the end of the day, this is one of the best closers in the history of baseball. Like that's just what we're dealing with here. And you know, uh, until he proves that it's, you know, he he's on the wrong side of his career for sure, you know, I think you still have to give some deference to that fact that this is one of the most accomplished relievers in the history of baseball. So it, it's just one of those things where at first I was like, man, I'm kind of pissed off about this. Like, not only are you not going to get him, which in a vacuum, like, okay, fine, like, I can entertain the the argument for it, I guess, but you're going to let him go to Milwaukee, like, probably on a cheaper contract because nobody else is talking to him? That's That was concerning to me, but yeah, it looks like Milwaukee's maybe, I don't want to say panicking, but dealing with some stuff that would push them to this rather than just the mindset of let's build a Super Bowl pen, everybody else be damned. So we'll see how that goes. Again, obviously this Corey Kniebel news coming out on Thursday doesn't give them a lot of leverage in this situation. What leverage Kimbrell has, I don't know. I'm assuming he wants a job at some point this year. So it's it's hard to say. But at the very least, now Kimbrell and his camp know, like, hey, like you've got an issue with your closer. Um, let's talk about things. So I will say, if they if if Kimbrell signs for one year and one year only, I will be so pissed. I don't care how much money that is, even if it's twenty five million, I will be pissed. That's that's a, almost a freebie. Any yeah. any one year deal at this point is completely doable. Not doable, but it's 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 no risk whatsoever. The only risk you have is maybe restricting yourself at the trade deadline for another move. And like if you look at the Cubs right now, their their likely target things could change, but their likely target at the deadline is probably bullpen help. Right, so. Oh, man, if it, if Kimbrell signs for twenty million for one year, 
I'm going to throw some stuff around. That's going to be really difficult to swallow, Corey. Wait, and we already talked about Grandal, who ends up signing with them. And that was shocking, too. Yeah. That was so shocking. It's it's just it, the, the, the easiest way for the Brewers to compete in a situation where they're not spending as much money as the Cubs is by these guys just being available and, and settling for lesser deals than we all would have expected and the brewers can say well you know we wouldn't have paid the top price for him but at this price how can we say no right Right. so that's getting pretty annoying that this uh keeps happening and that the cubs just are deciding not to play around again i don't love craig kimbrell i didn't necessarily want him at the beginning but you know you don't exactly have a stable (laughs) bullpen like it might be worth picking up the phone at the very least to just see what's going on but you think they're talking to him though the cubs no, I said you asked me this when we first talked about it. And you said do you I think it happened? I said changed. no. I think they've they've made their decision. They have made their bed, and come next Thursday, they're they're going to be prepared to lie in it. So uh, I think that's just what we're dealing with here. So um, anyway, which actually I'll just throw this out there just to get back to the uh, extension conversation. Just one last thing, I I will tell everyone because you brought up like the Boris thing and and him getting to free agency, Chris Bryant in particular. I said this to you, Brendan, but my main concern right now as it relates to this is from Tom Ricketts' perspective, not whether or not KB and Scott Boris or whatever want to test free agency or want more money. My concern now lies with I don't know how much I trust Tom Ricketts, um, which seems crazy to say that we've gotten here, but this whole money thing this offseason, whether it made sense or not, feels like the rug was pulled out from us at least a little bit, right? That they yeah. all of a sudden have zero money and are making zero tangible improvements to this team. So my concern now is, are we going to hear more of this same kind of talk when it comes to re-signing these guys? I'm not saying it but will. What would be the ex- what would the excuse be? Like if, if Tom used... In- Tom Ricketts. I, mean. I, I, I if don't Ricketts know. Use that, you know what I'm saying? Like that if, we're if, if getting KB, under all of the luxury tax thresholds, and that's just what it is. So payroll's getting slashed. I don't know. I, I'm just. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying I'm more worried about that than I am KB leaving because he wants you know 500 million dollars. That's all. I, I'm not too. Cons- I don't use his recent words as reason to be concerned that they won't be extended. Um, Maybe I'm just in denial. Maybe you're you have a more realistic expectation than I do. But I feel as if you look at the committed salaries beyond 2020, it's almost non-existent. Yeah. The only guys who are there are like Darvish and Hayward, and that's basically no, I, it. I, so. I get it. But just in an off season where we're hearing that they could barely, literally, like barely afford Daniel Descalso. No, I get it. I'm here's, just here's concerned. What, like that kind of came out of left field, man. So like I'm just kind of concerned like what else is going to come out of left field? I, not to use baseball puns. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> but um, <laughs> this podcast is a real home run, Brendan. Uh, anyway, let's, speaking of the bullpen, let's check in on, on where some of these guys are. Again, we've had four spring training games since we last spoke. Uh, Tuesday, I think was a split squad day. Yeah, Tuesday. Um, and some names that we've been keeping an eye on, or at least mentioned, uh, Brad Brock has pitched a couple times in the last few days. Uh, pretty solid outings. And, you know, again, really, we're just checking in on him because he had the mono 
and he seems to be healthy, physically able to get out there uh, within, you know, a couple days of each outing. So everything seems to be all right there. He's been performing well, so that seems uh, like all systems are go there, uh, a good situation. Uh, Tyler Chatwood has pitched a couple times and had a couple of nice outings. So really, I don't know what anybody's expecting out of him at this point still, uh, but other than that one disaster of an outing that we, of course, talked about, he's been pretty good this spring. Um, so I, I don't have any expectation for him really at this point, um, but I we're just going to have to see what happens once he's pitching in major league games. But other than that one disaster, we have not seen too many of those types of outings from him uh, this spring. So that's good. Another name that we had talked about that Brendan went into his uh, kind of like contract situation a little bit last time, Alan Webster continues to be really good. Another couple uh, solid outings without surrendering a run in these last few days here. Uh, so another name to you know definitely be keeping an eye on as he's continuing to just deliver strong outing after strong outing. And the other name that I don't think we've really talked about that much, he was one of those, uh, you know, kind of bargain bin signings that we've been talking about all off season. And he has yet to allow a run in the game on Wednesday night against the back-to-back World Series losers, the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, he pitched an inning. He came in with, I think, uh, a couple inherited runners, struck out two batters, then came back to finish the full inning uh, and struck out that batter as well. So, and that is Janichi Tazawa. Mm. And again, has yet to give up a run. I think it's only around six innings total uh, for the spring. But again, in a bullpen where we're just trying to find those last couple pieces and and fill everything out, um, you know, a guy going out there and routinely not giving up runs is something to at the very least pay attention to. You don't want to risk losing Webster by, you know, having to make the team, having some of these guys come back from injuries or some of the other AAA guys perform well and having a situation where you have to decide, can we get Alan Webster through waivers to get him back to Iowa? So that doesn't really make that much sense right now, possibly. Um, that being said, selfishly, I like watching Alan Webster and he throws some really, really filthy pitches, Corey. So I can still see maybe in like kind of, I, I don't know, a perfect scenario, the Cubs will commit to Webster and like give him a shot for the first few weeks. If he doesn't succeed, then they'll try to put him through waivers. But from the Cubs perspective, maybe they don't, they don't anticipate that, which would be highly encouraging. If Webster makes the team, Corey, then that's a sign the front office believes in him. As far as Tazawar goes, I, I, I think it's, it's almost similar, right? Like, if he makes a team, you have to get him through waivers as well. So it's kind of, it's a delicate situation. If I had a bet on this, both those guys will probably start in AAA. And then, you know, at some point, God forbid an injury happens to the bullpen, then they will be called upon and they'll work things out. But for spring training numbers, it's hard to, it's it's easy to get caught up in them. But it goes beyond that, I think, for these two guys because they're both throwing 
fast. Their stuff still looks pretty nasty. They're getting high accolades from their peers. I think it goes beyond the numbers. But I, I ultimately, I still think they start off in AAA. Yeah. So again, just you know, some names to keep an eye on. I will point out um, that on Thursday against the Giants, Brandon Kinsler with uh, a pretty solid outing struck out two in an inning of work without allowing a run. And look, Brendan, they got to move on from Brian Dunsing. He is not good. He was not good <laughs> but, but last here's year. The thing, he threw a third of an inning on Thursday, allowed two more runs, and his spring training ERA is currently sitting at 10.29. Enough already with this guy. Yes. Like, I'm like I'm not a Brian Dunsing fan in terms of his value. Um, but I, I will say, like, maybe they want to give him more of a shot. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm just providing a counterpoint. And the Cubs bullpen has depth and Brian Dunsing currently is part of that depth. And it was only one year ago where he quite literally became a significant part of that back end of the road of the bullpen. I mean, the 2018 uh, or the 2017 NLCS, he was one of the last guys out there in Dodger Stadium. So I, I'm not saying I want to see him make the team or continue to throw, but he is going to pay $3.5 million. That does factor in uh, in terms of probably the Cubs not wanting to eat that sunk cost. I I I think he makes a team, and if he does, I wouldn't be shocked nor disappointed. Just because if he does continue to perform poorly, I I feel like the urgency thing that Theo always talks about will extend towards those types of decisions. So if Dunstan goes out there and he's given up, you know, homer after homer in the first two weeks. I, I kind of expect him to go away. So I think I think ultimately we're going to see Dunsey make the team. We're going to see Kinsler make the team. They may have short leashes. And ultimately, they will try to preserve that depth in the bullpen. Yeah, I hear you with your, you know, you know what I'm saying? logic and, and reason. But I, he's just one of those guys, like, I, I think that the success you were talking about is the anomaly and it's pretty clear, at least to me, he just doesn't have anything. Like, he just does not have anything. Last year, every time he came in, his command wasn't great. He was getting ripped by almost everybody he was facing. And yeah, like, he's not, you know, he's a 10.3 ERA in spring training. I mean, you're facing, like, sometimes minor leaguers, man. Like, <laughs> it's he just, I, I don't think he has it anymore. I think that's abundantly clear but I understand the logic of not making that decision necessarily until, you know, he's proven that in a major league setting. But by the same token, I understand that, but playing devil's advocate to your devil's advocate, I I don't know if there's like a phrase to that, like a dual devil's advocate, but like they lost the division last year in a tiebreaker. Like they don't have time to be clowning around and like giving games away. So and I think that's what, what you're saying, but I'm just reiterating, like, if you're going to break camp with this guy who, what did he have last year? An ERA that was like above eight by it, the time it, he finished it, it, last who year? Cares? Yeah, who cares? It, it was very- 10.3 in spring training this year, like, the first time this happens in the regular season needs to be the last time. They just don't have time for this, man. The Cardinals got better. You didn't win the division last year, even though you won 95 games and were a very good team. Like day one, you cannot be giving games away. And if that looks like what he's going to be doing, you move on. 
Like you cut bait, you've got enough of these interesting names trying to perform well enough. Like he he doesn't have it. Like let's just call a spade a spade here, I, I think is is my standpoint. Um, he, but do you think he makes a team? I, I mean, I would... I would you, guess you do. Like I know you do. I yeah, know. I, mean, I, I would know guess again. Like that's just does. how this this situation works out. And I mean, I you know, I think the stuff that we're talking about with a guy like Webster is you know how you kind of have to look at this. Like you don't want to be in a situation where then you're dealing with the fact that he's out of options and and that whole thing. So I think you're you know you kind of go in order of how easy it is to deal with them, right? And the first thing to do is bring up you know start with the major league guys and you move on from them if you have to. So, you know, that's just, I think, the more pragmatic way to go. But I'm just saying, like, I don't want them throwing games away because they don't feel like, you know, they're paying Brian Dunsing $3.5 million. Like, I think the guy stinks. And if they're losing major league games in the regular season for that, I'm going to be pissed off. That's all I'm saying. Like, the guy's giving you a pretty clear indication that it's not there, right? Even with someone like Kinsler, like, he's performed all right this spring. You know, and we've talked about like, you know, sometimes he's able to generate a lot of contact, create those ground balls. Like he's been okay this spring. Not great, but fine. Like, you know, let's see what happens, right? You're paying him $5 million, You traded for him. Let, we'll deal with it. But like Dunsing has given you no indication that he's going to provide anything of value. So I, I'm just saying like we watched like last year Luke Farrell throw away a few games, uh, two in a row in that Cardinal series. And, you know, you look at the end of the year and you're like, gee, I wish we didn't have a minor league reliever on the mound just giving games away, right? Like is that crazy of me to say? I just still think the Cubs have operated always – by trying to have as much depth as possible. They've, they've always done that in years past. So it just, it wouldn't surprise me if Dunstein's going out there in May throwing baseballs. Like, it just wouldn't surprise me. I personally wanted him off the team at the halfway point last year, but... It, well, you were never in on him, if I recall correctly. Never. Yeah, I feel even, like he was one of those, like, Brendan, <laughs> I hate this guy, <laughs> like, type of guys. I mean, even in uh, 2017, when he when he was throwing well, I just I don't know. There's something something about it. I just can't I can't vibe with this stuff. I just can't do it. Yeah. So the last thing, and then we're gonna get out of here. We're nearing the uh, hour mark, I think. But uh, Albert Almora, another leadoff home run on Thursday afternoon, uh, coming off of a righty. You may remember the fellow pitching for the San Francisco Giants, a young man named Jeff Samarja taken deep by one Albert Almora to start the game today. And Brendan, that is his third homer of the spring and his third leadoff home run. So I know that we've talked about that kind of position battle and and how much playing time him and Hap and who should be leading off, etc. But I think pretty clear, you know, in watching last year that Joe is a fan of putting Al in that top spot, especially against left-handed pitching. And as we've talked about with some of these other guys, uh, you know, something just worth noting that he's had a very good spring. He's got an OPS near a thousand. Again, this is spring training, but it, it's just to say he has done nothing to dissuade anyone of giving him a, a big time role and maybe even a bigger role than we saw last year. And in fact, he's probably done the opposite because I think two of these leadoff home runs has come off of right-handed pitching. So he's definitely, uh, again, at the very least, not done anything to 
change the way that Madden and uh, certainly a large portion of the fan base feels about him. And if anything, he's maybe emboldened those feelings uh, by putting together a very good spring. And again, in contrast just to Ian Happ, who again, you know, it's spring training, but currently sitting with a 412 OPS. So I think, you know, in so much as you're using spring training to kind of gauge how you're feeling just on that first day of the opening season, you know, going in fresh and and this is, you know, kind of the most recent stuff we have to deal with. It's been a very good spring for uh, one Albert Almora Jr. And I, I keep saying this too, there's nothing to suggest that Albert Almora will hit for more power, but I just, I've always been, been under the impression that he can. Um, it's the same thing with like David Bodie. I'm not saying he and David Bodie are similar, but they both have throughout their careers, showed an ability to put the bat on the ball. Bodie changed his contact point. It translated to more power. Almora, I'm not saying it will happen, but it just his swing looks like it has more pop in it. I can't explain it. There's nothing to show that he will do it. But if he comes out there this year and hits 15, 20 homers, I'm not going to be that surprised. Actually, maybe I will be a little bit surprised. But You wouldn't always. be surprised if Albert Almora hit 20 home yeah, runs? Yeah, I, would, I, would, I would be surprised. <laughs> I'm just, yeah, I would be surprised. But I guess the point I'm making is I, I've always thought he had more pop in him. So I, I was surprised that he only hit five homers last year. I know mm-hmm. that's crazy, but I, I was. Needless to say, though, and this is a, uh, a current theme of our podcast at least, I still want Hap to get more chances. And if that means sitting Albert more, then so be it. Still, I'm, I'm encouraged by by Al, what he's doing. Uh, you know, he lost like, what, 15, 20 pounds. Looks like he's in great shape. The defense is still top-notch. He looks faster, swifter. So I, I'm still excited about Al. I can be excited about Hap and Al at the same time. I, I think that that's uh, fair. Yeah. And again, like, not, you know, I don't think anyone is reading too much into uh, spring training numbers. But again, when you, we've said this a lot, when you have these kind of battles with people, anything you can do to kind of give yourself an edge. And even if that's just a, hey, I'm feeling really good about how Albert Almora looked over spring training. So he's getting that first start. We've talked about it's Mike Miner, a lefty. So he's going to get that start regardless. But <laughs> You know, just early on, like, I feel really good about the way he was just playing in, in, in the Cactus League, and I want to, you know, ride that hot hand a little bit and, and see if we can't, uh, you know, keep capitalizing that. Worth noting, too, Victor Caratini with a home run today. Uh, he's had a good spring. So, uh, you know, I think both Brendan and I were not necessarily thrilled that the Cubs are relying on him to be the backup catcher. I, maybe more so that there's no depth there, really, like beyond Victor Caratini, even if he were the backup. It's just not a great situation if uh, Wilson were to, you know, obviously knock on wood, miss time for any reason, catch a cold, whatever, right? Uh, just not a lot of depth there. But Caratini's had a good a good spring. So uh, that's positive. And, you know, look, we're, we're heading into the regular season like this is the roster. So I'm glad Victor's playing well, hit a bomb today. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can, you know, keep that going. So uh, I think that's really all there is for us. Uh, we are almost done, folks. We are almost done with you guys having to listen to us uh, regale you with, you know, spring training box scores. And uh, simultaneously, I'm sure some of you appreciate the uh, how we simultaneously don't care, but also really care about what happens in these spring training games. It's an interesting line that we're trying to uh, tow, Brendan, because uh, we don't care, but we do care at the same time. 
But uh, I think I think a good way to to actually like elaborate on that though is like we 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 care how they perform in spring training. I just don't think we use some of the same like like statistics to show that they're doing well. Like of course, like yeah, Dunstan's ten ERA is not good, but if you watch the guy pitch, he looks terrible. And I think for Hap, like Hap's numbers look pretty bad, but watching him play. He doesn't look as frightening as his stats suggest. So that that's what I mean. Like when you look at Darvish and you look at all these other guys who do have good numbers, they're showing why they have good numbers because they're throwing 97, 98 miles per hour and they're hitting well and they look in, like they're in great shape. That's what I'm looking at. I think those are reasons to be excited. Not because they're batting 300 or that they have a two ERA. It's like what they're doing to get there is why it's, it's, it's uh, exciting. Yes, I think that's fair. Uh, so the season starts, uh, again, as you guys are listening to this on Friday, just six days away. It is time to, you know, put on your Cubs hat, put on your gear, and get ready to root for the boys because there is no more uh, projecting, no more worrying, uh, especially from, uh, you know, some of us. And time to get things going. The real stuff starts. The stats count, the games count, and uh, that's just about how it is. So again, we've got uh, two more episodes planned for you. Uh, one will come out on, on Monday. I We haven't decided when the other one will come out, but we're going to you know do a, a good, good chunk of, of season prep uh predictions bold predictions projections worries fears everything we're gonna laugh we're gonna cry we'll, it, you know it'll be a, a, a full experience as we get ready for the season here so uh regardless of when they come out you can expect a, a good chunk of content from us as we prepare for the 2019 regular season so as it stands let me just take a look at the calendar here uh, if you guys are listening to this early on Friday morning, uh, we have a split squad on Friday, uh, one game in the afternoon, one game in the evening, the Rockies on Saturday, Padres on Sunday, and then two with the Boston Red Sox on Monday and Tuesday of next week. And that is it, folks. So we have five days of spring training existence left off day for everyone uh to get yourselves really ready i appreciate that one like a full nothing happening on the 27th and then the chicago cubs visit the texas rangers on march 28th that game at 305 central time john lester mike minor from arlington texas this time it counts and uh (laughs) that is the lay of the land for you so uh, again, we will talk to you guys soon after uh, some more uh, spring training stuff. And, you know, hopefully uh, you Darvish's bullpen goes well as you guys are listening to this. If it has already happened, if it is not, still hope it goes well uh, on Friday that he is throwing. And other than that, I think that's all we have for you. So as as usual, uh, we thank you guys. You know, again, it's, it's spring training, uh, so it's not always... Uh, 
the most interesting stuff to discuss, I suppose. Uh, I think a lot of you out there are probably like Brendan and I, we're just not really big fans of of the exhibition games and and all of this stuff. But uh, we appreciate you guys, you know, sticking with us and 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 you know, uh, participating in these conversations and the roster crunch and whatnot that the Cubs have been going through. But we are almost there. We are almost at Real Baseball where we'll have uh, series previews and recaps for you and real games to discuss. So uh, it has been an interesting offseason, an interesting winter, and an interesting spring training. But we thank you guys for uh, getting through it with us. It's been fun, and it's it's almost over, Brendan. So it's time to... Uh, focus on the real thing. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you guys uh, supporting the podcast on on social media. We see some comments on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, and as always, giving us those five-star reviews in the iTunes store. It means a lot to us, uh, and we are very excited to be going into uh, our third full but fourth overall season uh, of talking about the Chicago Cubs, and that is really only possible because you guys listen to us. So we thank you guys very much for that. Uh, we love doing it, and we're we're happy to have the audience that we do. So we thank you guys very much. Uh, whether you've been with us since day one, and we do interact with a lot of people that have been with us since day one, we thank you guys very much. And if you've only been joining us for a short time here, uh, we're glad you found us. Uh, hopefully you're enjoying it, and we're excited to uh, have you for a, a full regular season. So thank you guys again for listening and participating. We will talk to you soon, uh, and whether we are in the last few days of spring training talking about whether we're going to pee on a blister or the Cubs are playing real baseball in Texas, go Cubs. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Bet Saratoga this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Go to nyrabets.com for details and sign up today. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.